May our thoughts, words, and actions be holy and acceptable in your sight, O God, and our wealth is not In our gospel lesson this morning, Jesus tells a parable that is both confusing and distressing to say the least. In this story, there are two different groups of people, and to be frankly honest, neither group is a complete world. Normally, when you hear a parable or a story, you realize which one was supposed to be like, but membership in neither one of these groups is confusing. The first group rejected the king's invitation, and they are completely destroyed at the hands of his miracles. The second group seems to fail better, but one of them is removed and thrown out into the darkness where they is eaten and have a of peace. It's not easy to understand because if there was a clear group that we could be a part of, then we would know exactly what we're supposed to do. Martin Luther about this passage said he didn't like to preach on this video, and he called it a terrible gospel. But here we are this morning with this in front of us, and we have the question where is the good news for us in Jesus Christ? I think a place to begin to try and understand what the Spirit is trying to say to us this Sunday morning is to examine the context and to get to the context in which Jesus says these words. Jesus is still speaking to the religious elite of the time. If you remember back to two weeks ago, the chief priests and the authorities questioned Jesus, asking him where his authority came from. This is after he upturned the temple, drove people out of it, changed the way that they do business. And this parable is a continuation of that conversation. Jesus is still speaking to the chief priests and the elders of the community. He's not speaking to the people. He's not speaking to the crowd that he ministers to, like, for example, on the Sermon of the Mount. But here he's speaking directly to this conversation. And I think that changes the dynamic of his work. Don't we all speak a little bit differently depending on who we are talking to? Perhaps we speak differently to our colleagues than we would to our parents. We would speak differently to those who are hostile to us as opposed to those who love us. Our words change. This is the context of the parable. Jesus is speaking to a group of religious elites who use the people's strategy to enrich their own confidence and for a plotting to happen first. So I think it's perhaps only natural that the parable acknowledges the tone of the conversation that is going on. So let's start with the first group. This group that Jesus, Jesus mentions in the parable, the ones who don't accept the king's invitation. These people are the people to whom Jesus is speaking. The expected ones. The people who we would think would be invited to a royal banquet. 
especially when this royal language is a metaphor for God's This group has been understood allegorically as different groups of people. It's been understood as the religious elites in contrast to the continent or ordinary people. It's been understood as the nation of Israel in contrast to the Gentiles. And it's also been understood as the rich in contrast to the poor. But whatever this group represents, they were undoubtedly the expected ones. The ones with the power, the ones whom the world would consider worthy. But of course, they reject the invitation and not very politely. They actually kill the king's servants and then the king obliterates them. It's a harsh story for a harsh then we come to the part of the parable that we love, or at least that I love. The king sends his servants out into the streets again, and this time to invite everyone into the wedding party. And they all come. The ones, people who we think are not worthy, the low of society, the ordinary, the unexpected, all of these people are brought into the feast. It's a picture of beauty, the kingly feast. Is for all people. It's not reserved for just some of the Now, if only the parable had been there, and you'd be happy, I would have liked them, and then we could all go home. But it wasn't something that was free choice. One of the guests is ruthlessly thrown out into the beautiful country. Would be 
I think another key to further understanding this parable is discerning why the man was coming out of the What does this wedding road represent? Throughout the history of Christianity, people have come up with different allegorical The oldest and longest understanding is that this garment was understood to be a metaphor for the good works that come out of our relationship with God. A couple other representations, one related to the Hawaiians, St. Augustine and Pippa said that the wedding world was interpreted as blood. Sort of a physical wedding of blood was the response to the relationship with God. Then, beginning with the Protestant Reformation, some reformers thought that this garment was faith, that this person had community without faith. But then I was pushed off on that and said, so I like this idea that the, the wedding grows in the soul of living out of our faith. It's an outward expression of our inner relationship with God. The putting into the practice of our belief, the things we do in response to what we hold dear. What we love is a new Our sacred clothing is made up of the love that Christian speaks to God, caring for the most vulnerable among us, striving for peace, for mercy, and for justice. It's how we are arrayed in preparation for the great celestial banquet we are all going to invite to. The prophet in our reading from Isaiah speaks about that banquet. And he proclaims, For you have been a refuge to the poor, a refuge to the needy in their distress, a shelter from the rainstorm, and a shade from the heat. This is his description of God, the one who is Christ to the banquet. This is the material from which our garment. Are our actions rooted in our faith? Are they an expression of divine love? I think this is what Jesus is trying to get us to consider humbly this morning. What are you doing? Can you have your wedding robe on? Are your actions a response to divine love? So I think part of the good news today is that we are all invited to the banquet. Not just the people who are expected, but the unexpected people. And the challenge is to consider our actions, to think about how we live in the everydayness of our lives. So we need to continue our promise. Each morning, let us clothe ourselves in the garments of holy love and bring God's presence to every corner of our lives.